What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless, the often unheard and invisible population of current and former youth in foster care. What the Foster is produced by Umbrella, a New Jersey foster care nonprofit. I'm your host, Frank. This week, we see how Casey transformed her life into something she's proud of. Last week, we left Casey in a group home. Her caseworker had a new option for her, however, a transitional living program. This is part three of Casey's story. And I remember the program director there, she was telling me, she was like, oh, I'm getting ready to oversee this new program, and I think it would be a perfect fit for you. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, tell me about it. She was like, well, you know, you can have your cell phone there, because you can't have your cell phone in a shelter. Right. Um, she was like, you can have your cell phone, you can take naps. I was like, okay, this is sounding really good. And <laughs> she was like, it's a really small program, so like, it's only like five girls that are there. Um, so you would be like the six, and so um, you can get a job, and you can go to you'll go to school still. But I was like, okay, sounds good. Where is this program at? Right. And she, that's when she's like, oh, it's in Camden. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like absolutely not. Camden, New Jersey, has a reputation for being unsafe. According to NeighborhoodScout.com, Camden has a 4 out of 100 rating, meaning it is considered more dangerous than 96% of cities in the United States. For the magazine The Nation, Chris Hedges wrote, Camden is where those discarded as human refuse are dumped, along with the physical refuse of post-industrial America. Casey was not thrilled by this idea of living in Camden, but was intrigued by the possibilities provided by a transitional living program. And so she was like, okay, so if I can make it so you don't have to go to, you can stay in your same school, will you go? I was like, yep, make it happen. She made it happen. So they bust you from? From Camden. Camden. Well, no, the worker, they had a DCPMP worker come pick me up and drive me to school every day. At this point, Casey knew enough of the system that she was ready to advocate for herself. By asking the state to help her remain in the same school district, Casey was able to take advantage of the independent living program her caseworker had offered. With college on the horizon, Casey had already started thinking about her future, but she was getting a little frustrated by her past. Like, I did not have good grades. Yep, I went to all these college tours and college days and applied for all the schools that I wanted to apply to and did not get into any of them. None of them, because of my high school transfer. Rejected by all of the colleges she applied to, Casey had to reconsider her options. Could she still get into the field of social work even with her low grades? So on my list, I had Keene, mm-hmm. I had Stockton, I had um, Seton Hall, and I don't think I had applied to Rutgers. I don't think I did because everybody was like, oh, you're going to school for social work, you should go to Rutgers. I'm like, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't want to take the route that everybody else did. Her reluctance to attend Rutgers speaks to Casey's desire to be different. And Casey wanted to be a different kind of social worker. Uh, After I had those horrible workers um, in these horrible foster homes, I was like, and because the, and I tell people um, that when I was living at home, I wanted to be a pastry chef. Like, I was going to go to the restaurant school at Walnut Hill Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, and, um, Yep, I wanted to go be a pastry chef. I had the book 
the little college book ever yeah. since I was like 15 or 14 years old. Casey's interest in pursuing college is a little unique in foster care. One reason for the startling statistics around foster care graduation rates is that foster children seek freedom after feeling restrained by the child welfare system. Unfortunately, this instinct is often to their detriment. According to our News From Our Heart newsletter, only 2.5% of children who grow up in foster care graduate from a four-year college, while fewer than 2% of youth formerly in foster care complete a bachelor's degree before the age of 25, compared with 24% of the general population. But why was Casey so interested in pursuing post-secondary education? My adoptive parents was like, were very adamant about us going to college and stuff like that. They didn't go, um, mm -hmm. but they were adamant about us going and like getting a career and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but that all changed when I went to foster care. And I was like, oh no, something needs to be done about this. Like something is not right about this. Like this can't be, this cannot be our foster care system. Um, and so when I went to the transitional living program um, in Camden, I was there and um, I went to school every day, I went, even though I was late, but <laughs> I was there. Um, I got a job, I got another job. I returned to working at Boston Market. I had stopped working there because um, I had gone to the shelter. Right. Um, but then I, when I moved to Camden, um, I returned to working there. And the only reason I stopped working, or stopped working there was because they closed down that store. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to get a new job. Um, and I started working at Chipotle. Um, so I was doing that. I was going to school and then going to work right after. And I got to go to prom. I got to go to two proms. Um, and then I graduated from high school. But in between that time, um, I had, they had asked me if I wanted to go to this conference, um, which was like the National Network for Youth Conference in Washington, D.C. Who asked you? Uh, the program director okay. um, of the program at the time. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll go. So let's rewind a little bit. Casey had been looking into colleges, but had been rejected by the school she applied to. After high school, she kept working, and soon, another opportunity presented itself when the director of her independent living program offered Casey the chance to tell her foster care story in Washington, D.C. Again, the opportunity intrigued her. I've never been to D.C. before, so yeah. Um, I decided that I, I went with them. It was me and another girl from the independent living program and the independent living program director. Um, and so we all went, and it was like a really nice hotel. Like, it was cool. Yeah. Um, and then um, I got to tell my story. Like We did hill visits. Um, and I got to tell my story to like a couple of different senators um, and stuff like that. Well, it was probably their staff perspective, but um, <laughs> but yeah. no, actually, I think we did meet one of the senators. I forget what his name was, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, yeah, I got to tell my story, which was really cool. Were you nervous? Um, I was because I was like, what am I supposed to tell them? <laughs> and I didn't know like they were there, like trying to continue to get like funds from like FISB and stuff like that right. to continue to have beds and stuff. Um, and so after, but after like I attended, they had like a youth track too. Um, so I learned a lot through that about advocacy and what it means to advocate and stuff like that. And then after that, I was like, I'm going to change the world. Although she isn't positive, Casey has an idea of why she was invited to tell her story in DC. So I'm really good in the program. I had my minor setbacks, but um, 
I was like the one that was working. Like I was never there. Like never yeah. there. Like because school. I literally went to school, then right after school went to work, and then come home and do the same thing every day. Um, and then like on my days off, like I would go home to my adopted parents' house um, on the weekends and stuff like that. Despite her negative experiences with her former foster parents, Casey did manage to find something good from her past relationships. I guess that's one of the things that the one foster mom instilled in me. Um, the one, the first one when I lived in West Echo, right. was that to you should get a job and you should start working so you can have like money and allowance and stuff like that. And so I was never there. And so, yeah, I was really inspired when I came back. Um, and they wanted to start a youth advisory board, uh, Center for Family Services. Mm-hmm. And so I got involved. Well, I helped them start it, and I helped them continue it um, for many years, like for probably about four or five years. I helped them continue it on. Um, and at first I was, like, the vice president, but then I became president. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did that for... Four or five years. Casey is proud of her roots with the Youth Advisory Board. She even wrote their mission, which she still remembers. So, Center for Family Services Youth Advisory Board, it was, and I think I still remember the mission. <laughs> uh, I think it was, I came up with it, so I should remember it. Um, I think it was the mission of the Youth Advisory Board is to help youth understand that their voices and opinions can be heard. Um, we are a youth, a board that is made up of youth by youth for youth. Um, so yeah, so that's what it really, really was about. And but it became so much more than that. So like before, like the programs were like really divided. And Center for Family Services, they have a lot of uh, programs for young people in care. Mm-hmm. And so like they had like the group homes. They had the um, there was another boys transitional living program and then there was like the independent living programs and um they were just like so divided and so one of the things that i did was help bring them all together um and i did this first through a thanks a large thanksgiving dinner um that all the programs came to and it's a tradition that they still do to this day um and so yeah so all the programs would help like the staff would help cook the food um, for the Thanksgiving dinner, um, and all the programs would come to one location and eat. That sounds great. That sounds yeah. Really nice. yeah. Yeah. And so that stemmed into like doing like a youth retreat where we would have motivational speakers come out and do like um, a activity together. So, like the first activity, and it's probably still hanging up in the independent living program, was that everyone had like their own piece of felt and like they could write something positive on it um and then we put it together and made a quote and then like every year we would do something different um and this is stuff that i would plan um we would used to do like fundraisers to help raise money um and yeah it was just a really good thing that i enjoyed doing when we started this episode casey was discussing her low grades and college rejections All around her, people were saying that she was failing. But now, she had taken a leadership role with the Youth Advisory Board and began working to transform the lives of all the youth in each of the programs involved. And, no, I love the fact that that relatable part of it, 
that bringing all these programs together to and that was one of the things that I wanted to do because I wanted youth to understand that they're not in this situation alone um, and that this is not the only program that exists and there are other programs like this and there are other and young people um, in the same situation as you um, and help them make friends like sometimes it's very difficult to make friends pe friends with people that you live with so if it's like you can make friends with people that don't live with you go ahead and do it like I mean the, they would get a, the program staff would get mad or whatever or be upset because like it's like oh no you can't mix program kids I'm like please like <laughs> stop like so yeah those were the things that I enjoyed about it and at the same time I was doing the Camden County Youth Advisory Board as well um, and that's how I got involved like on the state level um, was um, with youth advocate programs that at the time they oversaw that contract um, and I became president of their youth advisory board and we would do different activities and um, I remember like we were the we were our board our county board was the one that started the conversations with the commissioner um, because like we wrote a letter about um, I think it was about like needing clothes for like interviews or something like that. It was something along those lines. Right. Um, and then I guess they said like, well, let's bring them together. Um, and so that's like when all the youth advisory boards got together and we had like talked with the commissioner about the concerns that we had as being young people in care. Um, so yeah, but I was also, I went through that transition with, um, the state. So, um, when they no longer wanted it to be separate contracts, um, and the contract went to Rutgers, I was one of the youth advisory board ambassadors for the Southern region. Um, and I stayed until up until like probably a few months before that contract ended. Um, and then I came back, um, and then worked as one of the, it's now YAN, but yeah. one of the Youth Advisory Network works, yeah. uh, program coordinators. Remember, at this point in her story, Casey still does not have a college degree. Where did she get the skills to be doing all of this work and to be doing it so confidently and so successfully? Okay. So, so how did you, you, you were in high school, your grades weren't great. Yeah. Uh, how, how did you go from that, like where did you get the skills to, you're vice president of an advisory board, like yeah. setting up committees and fundraising. Especially after hearing that you didn't make it into the schools that you wanted to. Make I didn't, into. but I still went to Camden County. Mm -hmm. um, where those Camden skills? County College. Mm -hmm. yeah. Camden County College. Um, I don't know. I guess they just came from multiple people, like trying to help me and encourage me. Like people listened. Um, like. The C, well, she used to be a vice president, but now she's like the COO of Center for Family Services. I still talk to her till this day. Um, she's like one of my mentors, but she like literally loved the Youth Advisory Board and yeah. loved the work. Like anything that I needed or wanted, she was like, "Oh, just give it to Casey to do. Let her let please let y'all need to find the money for her to be allowed <laughs> to do this." So yes, um, yeah, and it was like I would create experiences for people. Right. Like we went to. Con we went to more conferences than I can think of, like, and sending young people on these conferences. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I guess they came from multiple people, like, who had already been in, like, leadership positions mm -hmm. helping me along the way. And I made mistakes, too, um, like every leader does. Um, but just learning from your mistakes and 
trying to do better next time and just learning. Studies have shown that the involvement of supportive adults has a huge correlation with a child's success. Even though she had been removed from her home, there were people who supported Casey and encouraged her development. As she worked with the Youth Advisory Board, Casey started attending Camden Community College. Um, community college was cool, but I didn't know anybody. Right. Well, I knew, like, some people. It was, like, high school. Yeah. <laughs> After high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, like, I also played soccer. Okay. Um, so I did play soccer for Camden County. I played for, like, half a year, and I was like, I'm over this. Um, <laughs> did you play yes. soccer through high school? I did. I did play soccer through high school. Um. But then when I got to college, I was like, this is not fun. Like, this is all about winning. Like, yeah. <laughs> what happened to having fun? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, and then I was like, it was crazy because I was going to college. I would go to soccer practice and then go to work. So I had to let soccer go if I was going to work. Um, and I also, like, during this transition, so I had just started Camden County um, and working at Chipotle when I just moved into Camden Dreams, which was the independent living program. Um, so, yeah, I had just started that. And so it was, like, freedom. Camden County was okay. I was only there for, like, two years. Um, and I transferred into Rutgers. Having gotten over her initial resistance to Rutgers, Casey transferred with the hopes of joining their social work program. However... She needed to improve her grades. I tried to. Math was a, a very big struggle for me. I get that. Um, <laughs> I get that. It's like, why do we need to take this class? Yeah. I'm going to be a social worker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, math was, like, literally a struggle. And I tell one of my young people today, like, I was like, look, I done failed the class. I'll be honest. I done failed the class, like, at least four times. Yeah. And this was, like, the class before you get to the real math class. Real math I'm like, yeah, what in the world? Yeah. Like, yes. Um... So yeah, and then, but I told him, I was like, look, it's all about, it's really all about the professor that you have. And also taking the time to go to tutoring. Um, tutoring was something that I did not want to do when I got to Rutgers, even though like my uh, support coach begged me. Project Myself was a program that provided support coaches to former foster youth attending college. Although it's no longer around, we've heard many stories from former foster youth who really valued the relationships they had with their coaches. And Casey is just one more example of that. Today, the PACES program provides similar guidance and support, although the details of the program are different. Uh, I was like, I don't have time. Like, I run youth advisory boards. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I go to work. Like, when am I going to have time to go to um, tutoring? And I'll never forget, like, um, one of my mentors told me, um, like at the time I was winning a lot of awards and getting a lot of recognition for the stuff that I was doing in New Jersey. Um, and they had told me that these awards and these accolades are never going to mean anything if you don't finish school. So I finally had to take school seriously. It took me three tries to get into the school of social work. Mm -hmm. Um, three tries um I literally had to beg Dr. Battle um to allow me into the school it was like you need to like figure out a new major like I'm like because at that point in time the only other class that I needed to take my only other rec was math right and I was like no um <laughs> I'm not picking a new major <laughs> like um I want to go to school for social work and that's what I'm gonna do and um so it's like a lot. 
With a new purpose and dedication to college, Casey had set herself on the path to social work, just as she'd wanted. Casey was also an NJFC scholar. The NJFC Scholars Program, administered by our scholarship department, is aimed at helping former foster youth get financial assistance with things like tuition, supplies, or transportation. However, this program has a GPA average requirement. I had to get good grades, um, and I had to really start taking college. Like, I put college on the back burner because I was doing work. Like, I was doing these youth advisory boards. And um, I think at the time, I had stopped working at Chipotle, and I started working for Longhorn. But I was still, like, doing the the youth advisory boards part-time and stuff like that. And I had to stop putting college on the back burner and put it on the front burner and start taking it seriously. And so when I finally got into the school of social work, um, it was like a whole nother different experience. Like to be um, in a school with your cohort and with other people who want to help people, who relate to you, not necessarily we all had the same stories or we all grew up in foster care or anything like that, but people dealing with real life stuff that affects other people like addictions and all this and mental illness and um, age, the aging population and stuff like that. Like, it was really a good cohort. I really had a good cohort to be in and a good yeah. classmates. And I enjoyed um, learning. My grades will tell you that she really likes social work. Um, like, <laughs> my grades will really tell you that all the other stuff that yeah. Maybe not so much, but my grades will really show, like, she really does, like, social work. Although I was, like, no to Rutgers before, like, yeah. I really love Rutgers now. Um, I love the School of Social Work, and um, I'll never forget, like, being able for, to graduate um, with my bachelor's degree, and even now I'm still, like, in shock that I was even able to graduate with my master's in right. one year. Um, like, and I thought I was shocked back then. Like, I would tell people when I was like the president of the youth advisory board. Like, never did I think I would get to this that point in my life. Um, after all the stuff that I went through, right. but never did I think I would get to this point either. Like, where I have a master's degree. What was your graduation like for you? Just knowing that you did it. It was like a dream come true. Graduating with two degrees, Casey was supported along her journey. She told us about the people who showed up at her graduations. So my bachelor's degree, I had like, I don't even know, like <laughs> at least like a whole, they were all spread out. Um, I had like my two uh, friends there, my sister was there, um, Jessica Trombetta and mm-hmm. Luther Owens were there. Um, who else came? Oh, people, uh, the program director, the independent living program director, he was there, which was like a really cool full circle moment because he came to my high school graduation. Oh, wow. And so, um, and then he came to my, my bachelor's graduation and he was very encouraging. Like, he was like, we, we're almost there. You can do it. Like, you got this. Like, we almost finished school. Like, you gonna, you gonna get there one day. And so to have them there at my bachelor's graduation was, was cool. And then my parents were there and stuff. There were other places where Casey made connections too. During her time in care, the summer internship program, SIP, helped Casey find internship opportunities in the summers between academic years. And being able to, like, I participated in the summer internship program. Um, I didn't do the housing part because I didn't need that. But... Um, 
having I still talk to those the Camden campus uh, people to to this day as well. Like being able to build those type of relationships with other people who are other young people that were in foster care that are going to college too. Right. Um, and having and knowing that you have a support system there as well, um, it really makes all the difference. Like just knowing that you can build a bond with them. After 12 placements, multiple schools and cities, alongside college rejections and physical and emotional trauma, Casey obtained not only her bachelor's, but also her master's degree. As a social worker, Casey is now in a key position to make changes to the very system she went through. So I work for Foster Club now, which is the National Network for Young People in Foster Care, um, and I'm their policy specialist. Um, so I work on a few different projects as well as uh, support young people when they come to D.C. to do different briefings, um, hill visits, um, stuff like that. So um, I work with constituents um, in three currently in three different states, uh, PA, Ohio, and South Carolina, doing state-level work, um, helping implement Family First um, and making sure that they're at the table and their voices are being heard. And then I also uh, help with the National Foster Youth and Alumni Policy Council, uh, which is a council that I used to sit on. Um, helping young people um, what they do is it's made up with 20 young people from across the United States um, and they make policy priorities or recommendations um, based off of their experiences and others um, they do like a whole um, they come up with a topic that they want to uh, pursue they do surveys they put out a survey to get results and then based off of the survey results and other research and their experiences they come up with these policy recs um, to uh, present to stakeholders and the current federal administration um, to help with policy change. Knowing her involvement in policy development, we asked Casey about the Family First Prevention Services Act, or FFPSA. Although considered landmark legislation, the FFPSA reduces federal funding for group homes. With most of her positive experiences in foster care coming from group homes, we wondered what she thought about this drastic change. So at first, I was very not for uh, family first because of the congregate care piece. Right. Um, and I brought this up, I was at a KC family program system improvement meeting not too long ago, and they were talking about the new uh, recommend, not the recommend, new requirements for QRTPs, um, which is the Qualified Residential Treatment Program. Um, and they have all these new recommend, uh, requirements of who fits into that Right. That program. And I brought up and said, well, what happens to the young people that are currently in these programs that don't fit the requirement, but the placement fits? Right. Because that was me. No, I did not. I was probably with these requirements. I probably was not qualified to be in that treatment, residential treatment facility that I was in. But the program fit right. for me at that point in time. So what happens? Like. Now, I understand, no, we should not be using these placements for temporary placement. No, they should not be there for, like, 14 days, or right. we shouldn't be placing them there because we don't have anywhere else to go like they did with me. Right. But what if it fits for them? What do we do? What happens? Like, we can't take these programs away. And then everybody's so stuck on, like, oh, well, these programs, like, uh, these young people need to be in foster homes. I'm like, no, foster homes don't fit for everyone. That's right. Because they didn't fit for me. Um, and they're like, well, these program staff can't build relationships 
with uh, the young people that's in their program. I'm like, really? Because once again, yes. I, I have experienced that. I've experienced full, again, still talk to the COO. She's one of my mentors. Still talk to the program director, who the independent living program director. He was at both of my high school graduation and my bachelor. And at the time, I no longer lived in that program when I got my bachelor's degree. Still talk to him to this day. And you can't tell me that he, yeah. we can't, like, I don't have a relationship with him. And other people as well. Like, I've gone back to Center for Family Services and allowed them to, you know, use my story and continue to use my story and stuff like that. But you can't tell, and you mean to tell me that I don't have a relationship with these people or these people can't build relationships? It's possible. Right. It is. If you just allow it. Like, I know, like, we have our code of ethics as social work, social workers and stuff like that. And, yes, we should abide by them. But nowhere in it does it say you can't build a relationship with a young person who needs a support system or who needs somebody for the rest of their life. In fact, Casey has cited her connections with responsible professionals as a reason for her success. These connections were formed while she was in congregate care and she believes others can and would benefit from group homes in the same way that she did. So that was the one piece that I didn't agree with. All the other parts, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was like that one piece that I did. However, despite her strong feelings on the ways congregate care can be appropriate for some youth, Casey mostly approved of the FFPSA. And this is a great time for it to come with the opioid crisis that right. is going on. Um, because a lot of the times the parents need help and they're not getting the help that they need. Um, so if they can get the help without having their kids removed, because a lot of times, like I've seen it before, like um, like when I was interning and when I was working, I worked uh, for this program called TANF Initiative for Parents. Okay. Um, and we would work with moms who were on, um, who were on welfare, um, who just had babies and stuff like that. And sometimes they would have multiple kids um, and they would come to the program with their with their newborns and stuff like that. It was like a mommy and me program. And there were times where my supervisor would say like, oh, because a parent was struggling, maybe we need to call the division to help them. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that because they might remove their kids. With her unique perspective on foster care, Casey has some words of wisdom for kids currently in care. I would say that everything that people told me, like foster care doesn't have to be the end all be all. It doesn't have to be your life. You don't have to go into social work like I did. Like you can do whatever you want to do um, and just use it as a stepping stone. Use it as a tool to you let it be your testimony. Let it be your, because that's what I do with my, I let my story be my testimony of where I am today um, and what I do and stuff. A big part of her journey and many other youth we've spoken to revolves around forgiveness. It's very important and it's a hard thing to do. Like it took me a long time to forgive like even my adopted parents because it was just like, this is because of y'all like and I don't want to point the finger but let's be real it is um and it was because of the things that they did and maybe they didn't know any better maybe they thought that this was the right thing for them to be doing um but it took me a long time to be able to forgive them um 
it took me a long time to be able to forgive just even the the foster parents that did me wrong um and i would definitely say that going to therapy helps going to therapy helps with that um but it's important to just be able to move on with your life and move forward um and not let harboring that because that can potentially like stop you like if you just like no i'm not going to forgive anybody like these people did this to me like that can stop you from being great and doing what you want to do because like you're harboring onto these feelings and you're not letting anybody else in and um you don't want the support that people are trying to give you um so yeah it took me a long time to be able to do that but i'm glad that i did because I just didn't let anything stop me. Of course, Casey's story doesn't end here. She's also started a business that's looking to help bring awareness to foster care successes. So, So Educated um, came about because there are a lot of statistics about us about there out there. Um, and one of them being that less than 3% of young people who age out of foster care will graduate with their four-year degree. Um, and so I was like, dang, like, even though I was happy, I was like, yes, I'm part of the less than three. Yeah. I was like, wait, so why is it less than three of us? Um, <laughs> and so I was like, well, I want to change this issue. Like, I want to bring awareness to it. Um, and so I came up with the idea that if we were, if we were, if I make graduation stoles, that could bring awareness to the issue because we have stoles for fraternities, sororities, we have stoles for like every little club that you're in. But what if we wore stoles for foster care and brought awareness to being alumni of care? Um, And so I know how to sew, um, (laughs) clearly. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. So I have a really great girlfriend and she was like, I was like, I'm just going to put a post on Facebook. And she was like, no, let's do a press conference. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. She was like, yes, we can do this live press conference on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So um, went and got these t-shirts made, made one uh, stole um, to show during the press conference. And we did this live press conference on Facebook. Awesome. Um, had a whole speech, and that's where I announced it at. And um, I have a lot of friends from that I've made over the years from traveling so much for doing uh, foster care work and stuff like that. Um, and just a lot of young people that I met and the outpour of support and people wanting and people that young people that are graduating and adults that are graduating from uh, from college reached out. And they wanted stoles. Like, I had doctorate students reach out. I had people that were getting their JDs, bachelors, associates, masters. Um, there were, like, there was one person that was in my school, uh, in the School of Social Work, that was adopted. And um, she went, got a stole as well. Um, and so this year we did um, 75 stoles. And luckily I did not, well, I did the sewing myself. But um, my girlfriend and my sister... Um, they were, I was like, I need y'all help. And they're like, what can we do? I'm like, well, you know how to cut and you know how to iron. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I had them do that work. Um, and so, yeah, we got these stoles out um, to people. And 
I have a few pictures of people that have worn them at graduation and um, I wore mine at graduation and um, the one thing that my adopted dad said to me was like the stole the only reason that he was able to see me in the crowd was from the stole oh that's awesome so like the stole I know that the stole stand out um, yeah. so yeah so yeah that's so educated so I'm looking to definitely grow it into something bigger than just stoles because like bringing awareness is just hitting the surface but what are we going to do to change the problem yeah. so we're looking into different ways to actually change the issue looking into maybe doing some more research on it um so we can change that national statistic um also looking to do other things for like people want me to expand to high school students um and then i also want to use my skills because i know how to sew like i want to do like a prom dress like and a tuxedo for like a, for young people that are in foster care being a foster care we don't get those types of opportunities so i want to make that open make that an opportunity and i want to make sure that um young people are able to get the mentorship that they need throughout college because that was one of the things that really helped me finish um don't get me wrong and jfc scholars is cool yeah. paces workers are great but it ends at sophomore year or age 22 that's right and I didn't graduate till I was 26 and 20, uh, 26, 25 and 26. And I needed that support all the way through. Okay. Um, so making sure that young people get that. And then also making sure that they, when uh, we have all these back to school drives for kids yeah. um, and high school students, but young people need things when they move into their dorms as well. That's so right. I'm looking into doing like some college drives too. Well, our website is being built um, right now, but we have a Facebook page called So So Educated, and we also have an Instagram, which is So Underscore Educated, and So is spelled S E W. Casey is currently continuing her social work career at New Jersey's newly formed Office of the Family Voice. Although this concludes Casey's story, it's not the end of our podcast. Next week in season one, we'll hear from Shakri and Ananda two current college students and NJFC scholars who shared their own stories with us. Here's a sneak preview of what to expect. You know, I let it get to a point where it took over my academics with other things being involved in my life. And um, so I was sent to an outpatient program, inpatient program, I didn't finish. It wasn't ever mandatory by court order because uh, I haven't gotten in trouble that far, that deep. Um, however, it did stop me from going to school and that's what um, made me be a senior by age, but a sophomore by credit. What the Foster is brought to you by Umbrella, a foster care nonprofit embracing and empowering the families of New Jersey. For more information on how you can get involved in foster care, visit our website at www.umbrella.org or call us at 1-800-222-0047. And now here's an important Census 2020 PSA. Census 2020 starts on April 1st. Census counts determine federal funding for foster care, schools, and more. The census is only done every 10 years, so kids who aren't counted in this year's census will miss out on 10 years of resources that they could have had. That's why it's so important to count your foster children and grandchildren who live with you when you complete the census. Census data is confidential by law, you can help make sure all kids are counted by sharing this information in your community. Tell them, we're foster families and we count. This is a message from Umbrella, a foster care nonprofit in New Jersey.